Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. And we're back. Here we are with another episode with the Do Something Beautiful podcast. If you are a new listener, welcome. I am so happy that you are here. If you are a loyal listener, I am so happy to have you back. So here we are. We have two announcements before we get into our great episode. Okay, first one is Lux University. Lux University is a new initiative I've started for Catholic women. The whole point is to inform, inspire, and empower women with their Catholic faith to share it with others. Lux is Latin for light. So we are called to be lights in the world, a light of Christ in the world. So Lux, you provide provides that by courses that we release each month on different topics of the faith from people like me who present courses and then other people, other women who come in to teach courses too. So it's laid back, but it is meant to inform you, of course, inspire and empower you in your faith. So if that's of interest to you, make sure you go to leadair.com, click on the Looks You tab and either get on the wait list if registration has closed or if registration is open, get your butt inside. We only open up registration twice a year and only for one week only. So if it happens to be in that window, come on board. I'd love to have you there. The second announcement we want to tell you about is something new that we're doing here with this podcast, actually. It pertains a thousand percent to just this podcast, which is the fact that we've started a Patreon page, which is a pretty big initiative. As you may or may not know, podcasts actually take an exorbitant amount of time and resources to produce edit, get everything just right, the equipment. And we want to do some new things with this podcast. We First off, we want to still keep doing it. We want to continue the good work that God is doing through this podcast. And we also, though, want to do a few new things. We want to upgrade the equipment so that we can do some video and long-form podcasts available for you. So to do that, we need your help. So you can go to patreon.com slash leadero. Now, you know that I love The Office, so I've actually made the patron tiers an office character so you can go in and support the podcast maybe at the Stanley Hudson tier or the Kelly Kapoor tier or the Pam Beasley tier. It's actually pretty, pretty fun. Even if you're not quite sure, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash Darrow just to check out the tiers, just to check out to see what's in there. Now, I will tell you, there are some pretty fun goodies and little podcast swag that you'll receive depending on what tier that you decide to support in. So it's kind of fun. And I also provide exclusive content just for my patrons. So I have like a mini podcast just for my patrons on patreon.com slash Darrow. And I answer just your questions. It's very personal. It's very fun. So if you're looking for something a little bit more more, but you also want to help and be a part of the team, there you go. Patreon.com slash Darrow. Come and be a part of the Do Something Beautiful podcast team. We're really excited to have you on board. So, you know, take a look, say a prayer, join us. All right. So now on to our episode today. I know I'm always thrilled to talk to my guests, but man, I love the fact that I get to talk to a couple. So I'm talking with Chris and Linda Paget, And Chris is a well-known Catholic speaker, but his wife, Linda, is actually 
just as great. And so we talk about kind of what goes on within their marriage and the ministry and how all of that works together. Their new initiative to help Catholic families, which I'm telling you something that couldn't come at a more needed time than today. So we talk a lot about what's going on in the church. We talk a lot about Catholic families, marriage, ministry, a lot of different things. They are a phenomenal couple. And Chris, if you've ever heard Chris on stage, you know right away he's just a little weird, right? He's just, he's just a little weird, but that's why you love him. Chris is not afraid to be Chris. And I think we have worked actually very little together. We've worked like in, we've like been at the same conference, but we haven't been able to like connect like I have had with other chances with other speakers. But yet when I hear Chris speak and I hear his authenticity, I hear him and is just, he's so comfortable in his own skin. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is my brother in Christ. Like I, I feel so close to him instantly, even though I'm, you know, haven't really spent a lot of time with him at all, or even been physically, you know, like in the same room hanging out or anything. But he, when he speaks and when he evangelizes and the way that he does it is so authentic. And the first time that I heard Linda, his wife speak, for me, I was like, oh yeah, of course those two should be together because that's like the perfect pair. Linda has an amazing realness about her. You just know that she's not pretending and, and that she'll let you know if, if things are difficult or hard. She'll, she'll ask for prayers. She speaks a lot about women in the world, our role in the world. It is just great. I'll give you a lot of resources in the show notes of ways to connect with Chris and Linda, especially with their new initiative for Catholic families. But anyway, you guys, I just cannot wait. They are so fun. They're so funny. They're so funny. I cannot wait for you to get to know this couple because I think they're going to be somebody that you'll end up following on social and on their websites for a very, very long time. So without further ado, here is Linda and Chris Padgett. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. Today we are speaking with Linda Paget and her husband, Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. How are y'all two doing? Oh, we're great. It's a great day. Yeah, we're, uh, we live in central New York, and so it's always snowing here. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful day, beautiful winter day. It's, so it's snowing right now. It's been snowing. We're yeah. going to get a lot of it today. It's pretty so. nasty out right now. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, but I love it, though. My body was made for cold weather. <laughs> oh, wow. You're one of those. Yes. Yeah, I got issues. <laughs> Linda, are you the same way? Um, I can, t I tolerate it. Okay. I do know the longer I grew up in Florida. So the longer I am in the North, the less I can tolerate heat. So right now 80 degrees is stifling hot to me. So, but I still don't like, you know, zero either. So my zero. rationale <laughs> is this, is that what do you do when you buy food from the grocery store, like meat that you're not going to use right away and you want to preserve it? Where do you put it? The, the freezer. freezer. <laughs> right. So if, you know, basically all of us in the North, we're really? being preserved. Yeah. The quickest way to probably stale up and die is to go down South. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, this, this is, is this is the argument logic. you're, you're going to make for snow. Constant I mean, look, snow. Where do people yeah. go to die? Florida. You probably want to edit that out. Okay. Where do people go to die? <laughs> well, there, there are... I wonder what the ratio is. Of <laughs> this is not probably an avenue we should go down. So. Funerals <laughs> to live births from 
like New York and Florida. One th- I wonder what the ratio is like. I mean, I wonder how that looks like. How yeah. many funerals a day happen in, in Florida versus New York? These are thoughts yeah. I've never had before. I haven't either. So. It's fun. I like how your brain thinks. That's good. I think backs are fun. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be a fun podcast right here. We The funny part is we start talking about death and what our intended topic is, is marriage. So that's funny. Actually. So marriage yeah. is where single people go and die. Yeah. But you know, what a beautiful resurrection, right? It is. It I is. mean, I think it, <laughs> in some ways that dying to hopefully some habits of selfishness and self-obsession and that's a pretty good thing. You have to definitely learn how to become selfless to have a healthy marriage. So we're for it. We do all the pre-Cana talks here in the Diocese of Syracuse. And one of the big things that we try to encourage them to do is to be people of selflessness, that they can't give in to every single desire and thought and feeling that they have. And children do that in an exceptional way, of course, in a family. But it begins with marriage. And But we also believe that, yes, I mean, marriage is hard, but we love being married. And yeah. we want other people to realize. I think we have a generation of people who are afraid of marriage. And I, we love it. We love and we want to encourage others to see that marriage is a great adventure. It's difficult. But it's it's beautiful and can be a lot of fun if you, you know, do things right and continue to forgive and move on. You know, it can be fun. Why do you think that the outlook on marriage has changed so much over the past, let's just say, definitely over the past 70 years? I know that's a long span, but it used to be where marriage is something that everybody looked forward to. Well, most people did. You know, like it was a positive experience and it was exciting of oh you're gonna go get you're gonna get married and marriage and maybe it was too idealistic back then maybe they weren't being real with some of the struggles that's possibly the case but now it seems like marriage is like oh great that's where I'm gonna go and it is exciting but the basically like the day-to-day grind that means I have no more fun and then you throw in kids and it's like graveyard right 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 well I think people I think the the numbers have changed mostly because of failure the failure people have seen in marriage the divorce rate the unhappiness parents you know they they raised in a family even if they didn't get divorced my family was that case we my parents didn't get divorced but they had there was no happiness there there was no joy we didn't see the adventure of marriage there. And I also think it has changed because people are just waiting longer. They have more they want to experience in life. They're pursuing careers. And then when they get to the point where they're thinking, oh, maybe I want to get married, they're so set in their ways. It's hard to to think of giving up anything that they have they've built to form in themselves and in their career that they don't want to give that up. Yeah, and I think culturally too, right now, culturally, there's a lot of ambiguity and confusion about what, you know, relationships can look like, should look like, even specifically marriage, what that's supposed to be. And so culturally, there's a lot of confusion, whereas in days gone by, there was some clear ideas of what marriage and family would, could, should look like. But also, I think kind of 
there's very little examples that make marriage appealing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think I think that's kind of been our heart this really as we fine-tuned some things this last year in our ministry in our life that that yeah, marriage is meant to be a place where you thrive, not survive. And Ooh. unfortunately, a lot of people are just just barely surviving. And barely surviving. I think that's that's key for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what do you I mean, what would you suggest for people who are those single people out there and they're hearing this and they're not denying that marriage that you need to be selfless. So for a single person who probably is selfish, let's just throw that out there. God, it seems like I feel like I'm going to trigger someone, God forbid, in (laughs) saying that. But I remember just being on my own. I mean, you naturally kind of are at times. You have to fight that. But you are because it's all your time, right? Right. Yeah. You don't have anything. You don't have much taking, demanding on yourself. So selfish is not necessarily, it's just a state of being, not necessarily a judgment on a character, but there is just the state of who they are at that point because there's not a lot calling on their responsibilities. Thank you for saving me on that, Linda. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) with that, how would you, like, what would you tell the single listeners right now? So they want to be married. That's their goal. They actually do want to do that, even if they've got some fears and concerns, legitimate or not. And they, one of the ways to help do that is to really start looking at our lives and maybe rooting out some of those selfish ways. What, what are some of those ways that you would, you would invite them to do that? Well, I, you know, it's interesting to me because I think in some ways, if you have before you the goal of marriage, it does help you prepare for marriage. And I remember I had been married for a while and I heard for the first time the idea that my job as a married man was to get my wife to heaven and then us together to get our children to heaven. And it like rocked my world because I had never heard anybody articulate kind of the goal of marriage as as that. And when I heard it, I remember thinking how much that resonated with the desire I had in my heart. And so when it comes to a young person, a young man and a young woman, what I ultimately encourage them to do is to grow deep in their faith, grow very intimate in their relationship with Jesus Christ, because what they're being invited to do in marriage is give the entirety of themselves to another person. And <laughs> you, you don't just rid yourself of all selfish tendencies once you get married. But when you start establishing habits of holiness to help kind of work against selfish tendencies boy what a gift that you can give to your to your spouse to be so i think i think you hit on something there chris the habits of holiness that help us prepare us for for our vocation but in the process help our very selves and our souls, right? So those habits of holiness that we can do now, like say you are single, you're not married yet. What can you do to be less selfish? Well, it would be, I would think, give your time to your creator. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, I think Linda says it a lot, but um, holiness is attractive. And when it comes to marriage and family, I usually will tell people the church doesn't look at marriage as a place of just two people who are passionate with common interests and sexually attracted to one another. You hope that that's there, obviously, when they're getting married, but but it's more than that, than that. And it's really deeply connected to this relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the struggles I think that we have had within the Catholic milieu is that we don't use that phrase very often, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we have found that to be the necessary.
necessary factor in marriages to thrive, in families to thrive, Absolutely. is to grow personally in that relationship with Jesus. Because a connection with Jesus helps you to learn how to be a person of selflessness, to carry that cross, and to begin to think of others as more important than yourself. Okay, so here's a question. Linda, I'm going to start with you first. Linda, what do you find most attractive about Chris? Oh, I would say... I do think that when I early on in our relationship, it was his faith that was so different than other guys I had dated. I had dated guys who we didn't line up on our, our religious beliefs. And so the fact that Chris did was something, even though at a young age, I necessarily wasn't looking for that, but it was a nice relief to have that kind of commonality there. But even to this day, it is, he inspires me. If there's anybody who inspires me the most, it is him. And that being inspired is something that hits me deeply in my core. You know, so so many other things are surface, the way I see things, the way somebody, you know, your senses, your eyes, your touch, all this, your sense of touch, all that is surface, but the core of who I am to touch that is the most attractive. And his inspiration, the way he, his relationship with God, his spirituality inspires me. And I think that is the attraction, the most attraction to attractive thing is where it hits me deep inside. Mm, I love it. Okay, Chris. <laughs> you guys really it's her body. Hands. Are you guys holding her hands now? No, I did. Yeah. I did. I did scratch her back a few minutes ago. It's totally her body. Uh, there's. I mean, I can't think of another the quality. difference of men and women. Right there. Right. So, Chris, what attracts you to Linda? And your answer is her body. Oh my gosh! Absolutely, she was so hot. Hands it down. was insane. And when she I was, was in high or school. Is. Huh? She was, was or, is. or is? No, no, my gosh, of course she is. It's here. Here's, I really love the setup for this question. I'm just going to say it like this is that if you would have asked the young kid, Chris Paget, 17 years old, high school, do you love Linda? I would have been nonstop chatting. Absolutely. Here, let me tell you the millions of reasons why. But having been married for over 27 years and nine kids and the bazillion realities that have been our life, if you ask me, do you love Linda? It's the dumbest question in the world because I can't imagine life without her. Like she has so changed the way that I think, you know, approach things, the heartbeat of who I am. And I've often thought about this because when you're young and you're thinking about a relationship, part of the appeal of marriage, at least if you're trying to hold on to purity is finally, when I get married, we can have physical intimacy. We can grow as a couple. It's going to be great. But what I found to be interesting is after 27 years of marriage, you don't think back on just sexual experiences while those are powerful and beautiful and certainly life-giving, but you think back on the millions of different ways that your worlds have interacted and flowed and, and what you've created and where you've been. And so it's all of it. Like I love, I love the reality of sharing a journey with someone who entirely gets me and I get her. So it's a little bit probably crazy to articulate it like that, but that's, I can't imagine life without her. I love it. I think it's really important, really important for those who are single and want to be married to listen to answers from couples of what they find Mm -hmm. the most attractive from their spouse Mm -hmm. who have been married a while. Because you're not, what I have noticed when I ask this question, I've been asking this question now for Geez, uh, I honestly can say I think I've been asking it for 20 years. Um, just I've always been curious about this question. 
when I talk to, you know, my aunts and uncles or friends, anybody who was married when I was younger, and then now my, you know, friends who've been married longer than Ricky and I, what I always get is I never get the response of, well, I like that he's tall and he, he, he's just, he's like, he just, he just is so nice and, um, Yeah. He's just hot and like she's gorgeous. He's like the most beautiful I've ever seen. And you're like th- now, though I mean those things might be true, but what a spouse values in the other, what I have found over the ones who have been married for a long time in those lasting marriages is something so much deeper than that initial attraction, that initial and needed attraction that we have with the other person. And every yeah. single one of those responses that I have, that I've received from people and you two did the exact same thing. You either directly or indirectly spoke of their relationship with Christ that has been the foundation for them and you two together as a couple. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I often will tell the kids, you know, she was here before you got here. She's going to be here after you leave. So, you know, it's clear to my children that Linda's not just some sort of amenity, but she's the, the main deal. And I don't know. I think that initial attraction is a big deal for people. And I'm okay with that when it comes to dialogue with, with young couples, but you have to have something of substance in a relationship for it to ultimately last. And when you are married for a long period of time, full disclosure happens. Like there's nowhere to hide. You know, when you're dating, (laughs) you can put on the charm and be silly and give that smile or make that joke. And it works in a dating scenario. And, oh, he's so funny. And I guess I'm not mad at him anymore. Well, once you're married and you have to live with that person and you know, marriage is an entirely different dynamic than just certainly dating. But honestly, you can't just come up with a funny little smile and the neat little word. You have to address issues and problems. And that gift in marriage where you are articulating with your entire being, I'm in it for the long haul. We're going to work on this together is I think the fruit of what that sacrament offers. So when a couple gets married, you know, oftentimes there's frustration because maybe they find that selfish quality still present, but it's the unity of the couple that allows for the grace to be applicable for them to now have victory over something that they can't tackle on their own. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it does. And I love that collaborative dynamic of a couple seeing the reality of who they are and being all in. And that is, I think that's the secret to success is like, I'm all in. There's nothing that is going to make me, you know, say no. Now there's some variables and some extenuating circumstances, but I think the heartbeat is there that is so beautiful. And um, anyway, I love that. No, I do. It's it, For me, marriage, and this is a terrible analogy, like most analogies are, but this is a really bad one. <laughs> and I'm sure Ricky's going to be super pumped that I'm mentioning it. Um, <laughs> but it's like the best inside joke ever. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you have an inside joke with somebody and then like something happens out in the world or someone else says something and you both look at each other and you just know because you've had oh, this yeah. shared experience and whatever it might be. And I'm not saying it has to be a laughing matter, but it's like marriage is like this ultimate place where, like you said, you are raw and you're real and everything that you don't want to reveal to another human, well, that other human now has a front row seat 
to everything. <laughs> exactly. Everything. And they yeah. see it. They see it. They know it. You cannot hide. You cannot hide from that. Like you go on a date. Like I have people tell me all the time. I don't know why they tell me these these random things, but they're like, oh, I, well, I mean, like I had to go on a date, but I had to cut it short because I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't possibly, you know, do that while I was on the date. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like, yeah, so I, I went home. And I'm like, just you know, marriage? That does <laughs> No, you, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you do realize that all of that has to be exposed at some point. That's so funny. And then when you have yeah. kids, you know that you're having, you're going to the bathroom in front of people, literally staring at you, these small little yeah. eyes. All, anyways, that's another story. But marriage being this inside joke type of a thing where like, but you have this connection that no one else really knows. Like no one else will know all of the struggle. And like you said, even the victories, everything you've been through, the moments when you've sat on that living room floor and you've been crying and you're just not sure how you're going to make it through for whatever reason to the next step in your life together and then you get through it right yeah and the dawn comes and you're able to make it through another day and then you're able to look at each other during those moments of life when something reminds you of that deep and dark period of time and you can say we did it we we made it through by the grace of god and, and praise be to god for the grace and the sacrament I love that. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I, Linda and I have talked about everything, of course. And I think one of the, the things that has been in my brain when I was younger was like, I, I don't think I have the energy to even remotely, if Linda had passed away, I don't think I have the energy to date. <laughs> like, like, how would I... I can't, there's no way I can explain to someone why I'm obsessive compulsive as I am or neurotic. And it would just be exhausting to try to have to do that. When Linda and I have, in essence, really grown up together, I don't have to say anything. We have a little thing that we'll share with couples that are getting married that I think is such a great tell. When I travel, I'll come home and it takes me a few, I don't know, minutes to decompress and acclimate to the reality of home. And I have these obsessions where I have to go and <laughs> and basically work on the mail or pick up garbage. And Linda will come in at some point and she'll say to me, when you have time, I need to talk to you. And that's kind of my signal to like wake up, you're back in the reality that is called our life and I need you to tune in. And I love that she knows that about me, that I don't have to explain. I need a few minutes to just adjust to the noise level of what's the home compared to the airport or the hotel I've been in for the last few days. And, you know, that's just kind of something that there's no resentment. Linda's not, you know, frustrated and angry because it takes me that time. It's just kind of a gift. And um, it's those little things that make it beautiful. But I, I want to add to that, though, that like what you said a second ago, Chris, was the idea that I don't, the idea of starting over. I feel the same way. The idea of starting over, if, if we were to lose, if I was to lose you, that I don't have the energy for that. But I think that a young couple, a person who's starting out or who's considering marriage could get discouraged to think, well, there's nobody I feel that way with. I don't feel that way without with that the person I'm dating. So maybe we shouldn't get married because I don't have that kind of they don't, we don't know each other that well. We don't have that type of full disclosure. But the truth is when we were, we yeah, we started when we were young, but who we are now is after 27 years of marriage. And right. so that a young couple, the idea is that you enter into marriage. It doesn't mean that you all, you are not going to be, we tell this to our own daughters, that you are not going to be in a relationship with a person 
that equals what we have after 27 years of marriage. We are who we are after all this time. And so the question is, is this person you want to marry worth the fight with? You're going to have issues. You're going to have, you're going to come across situations. You're going to have, and it's really the difficult moments is where you get that full disclosure with each other. So the question is, is that person willing to make that journey with Is it worth it for that person? Because everybody has to take that journey. So just because you're not there initially doesn't mean that it won't happen. The question is, is it worth making that journey with this person? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then even the desire for it, right? Yes. Right. Or like, do you have a desire to go like to go the distance with that one person? Right. You know, and I mean, that's obviously going to, you're going to have to pull back the reins quite a bit if you're asking yourself that question, which is fine. And you should. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. That's exactly right. And I think sometimes basically saying, if you're not willing to make, you know, recompense to, to reconcile yourself to that person after an argument, if you're waiting for them to just come and apologize, you probably should check yourself as well. Because a marriage is is never going to work if you're waiting for the person to perform exactly the way you want them to perform. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And I'm. you might think that I'm thinking about Ricky when I'm saying that, like, oh, I know, because trust me, he does not do anything that I want him to do. But I sincerely, truly am saying that because of me. Ricky has had these ideas of what he thinks I should do, and I have blown him out of the water. Totally <laughs> disappointed him in, in my capacity to shock him. And I tell him all the time, I listen, don't underestimate my capacity to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That's I, so funny. I, I, I love him with everything I got, and, and it's vice versa. He does too, but I'm like, like you, I was like, Ricky, you you, you have to pray for me. Don't underestimate how much I could screw this up because I <laughs> could. I could go down in flames and I'd be waving the white flag like, man, it's all my fault, man. It's all my fault. But but you're right. We have to have like that type of idea that we can't like necessarily we have we need to grow, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And all of us can because you're human and you have a will and you've got a great brain that God gave you. You can change. You can make changes in your life. You know, we're not just stuck to these habits or stuck to these addictions, whatever they may be. There is help out there to help with them. But you have to desire that and to want that. And the person right. has to do that on their own. And you can't mm-hmm. change somebody completely right. for them because if that was the case, well, I tell you something, the church would look a lot different than it does right now. Yeah. You know, this idea of control, though, what you can control, what you can't control is a really important topic because I think many people in a relationship, whether it's you're married or not married, I think we struggle with this idea a lot. You know, it's like, I'm going to convert my my spouse to be, I'm going to change their bad habits into good habits. And what you ultimately find is that you're, it's like banging your head against a wall. I remember one time I was overseas and this <laughs> lady came up to me and she said, my priest told me I should come talk to you because you do a lot of stuff with relationships. And I said, well, sure, what's, what's going on? And so she discloses to me that she's having frustration with her husband, that she wants to go to counseling, but he doesn't want to 
go to counseling because basically he doesn't think there's a problem with the relationship. And she's going on and on about how she's wanting to have these changes. She wants him to go and do these things, but he won't. So I listened to her rant for quite a while. And then I look at her and I said, I wish I could give you, you know, a magic pill that says, boom, now your relationship's fixed. Everything's better. But, you know, I, I can't. And the reality is it's going to take a lot of prayer and uh, and maybe a lot of sacrifice. And you should definitely ask for the intercession of the saints like, you know, St. Monica. She knows what it was like to be married to a difficult person. And then she says, well, yeah, but St. Monica's husband had the good sense to die, though, didn't he? Oh, and I thought, well, that's not really what I was going for right. with this whole conversation. Yeah, like, I don't know uh, if death should be our goal when it comes to a difficult <laughs> spouse. <laughs> I think I think the ultimate like truth is is that you can only work on what it is that God is is shining a light on in your life and how to be a better person, how to be a a person of selflessness, how to be more generous, more loving. That is transformative. Like St. John said, we love because he first loved us. I mean, I think that we struggle with the belief that real love can change a person, can change us. But I'm convicted of that because it's often not right, right what we say, but it's more of who we are enveloped in love and being an, you know, an agent of that love. So, you know, people would spare themselves, I think, a lot of agony trying to manipulate and coerce someone else into behaving in a certain way. And just really, it's the plank in your eye, you know, get rid of that before you mess with the speck in others. What do you think is, and I, I mean, I know it's an important piece, but... How do you, Chris and Linda, pray for each other during those moments when things are difficult or just in general? Like, I'm sure that's an important piece of your marriage. Can you kind of speak into that of like what you do? How do you pray for the other, for the other? And what role is that in your marriage? I know we do get this question a lot about how to pray as a couple and for marriage and all of that. And uh, it's funny for us that we have been through lots of different seasons through our life of how, what that looks like. But I think that the main key through all the years has been for us each to have our own individual faith life, that we both have our own time with the Lord. We both are growing on our own. But then we also like to talk about what we're talking, what we, how we're growing. So we communicating our own spiritual experiences with each other is very empowering and it helps each of us I can learn so much from Chris's journey and he can learn so much from mine. But in terms of like actually praying together, we have been uh, all over the board on that, praying as a family, praying together at night as a couple. It's all looks different depending on the season. And I think because of our our marriage has been so much spent apart with his travel schedule that We've never really fallen into a great practice of actually praying together at night necessarily. Or- right. Well, because we all go to bed at different times. So right. I think when I'm traveling, for example, I, you know, if I have time, which I will during my events, I spend time in the blessed sac- front of the blessed segment. I'm praying for my wife, for support, for encouragement, for strength and the kids. We do little prayer fests, if you will, when we're driving the kids to school, when we're getting ready for for bed, little blessings that we do on all of them. I guess when it comes to prayer, there's always this idea of something that you say, but I've been really trying to grow more in the idea of, of prayer being more of who you are or a place of being, a state of being, right? Pray without ceasing, St. Paul says. And so um, there's this idea, I think ultimately it comes down to communicating with God 
and communicating with one another. That's the ultimate reality of prayer. My interaction with God should impact everyone around me. And so Linda and I, I feel like we're constantly doing that as we share these moments of growth and spiritual insight. Right. Yeah, I do think that it is about communicating to each other. A couple that has... Like we see couples where they don't align spiritually on things, whether they're one's Catholic and one is not, or one's not even Christian and one's a Christian, you know, not having that common interest, that common belief structure on their faith. I feel like they miss so much in the growth of their relationship. But for us, you know, that, uh, that having that time to communicate to each other, sharing that intimate part of our lives And I think that's what makes praying together as a couple so difficult for some couples is because prayer is so intimate. My relationship with God is so intimate for me. And to open that up and share that with Chris is difficult, but we've always done that. And it's been, I think, a beautiful strengthening for our relationship to have that, I don't know, common discussion and the desire to grow together. Amen. I like that. I like I really want to highlight what you said about the so many different seasons you're in, how it's changed in terms of format or even the time of day in your lives. So often I feel like I personally receive questions from people asking about my routine and my schedule and how I do something. How do you find time to exercise? How do you find time? When do you pray? What prayers do you say? And I just want to be like, hey, man, back off. That's mine. Like. Right. That's awesome. God made you uniquely you. Right. And and prayer will be a unique conversation between you and Jesus. You know, but I think that what happens a lot of times is that people are very adamant about what they're convicted about and what they find to work for them, whether it's sports or music or what they're eating and exercise that they prefer. Like it's almost a foreign concept that somebody would would affirm a different type of exercise when one's working for one person and another's working for another. So what's interesting to me is that I find that there's some difficulty for people to allow themselves the opportunity to explore different ways to pray or to appreciate the different seasons in their life or to give themselves permission to change and deviate from one path that's worked for them for a period of time, but may not be working for them now and go off onto a new direction. Linda and I have had a a phrase that we've used for a long time in our marriage, which is, I serve a God of new beginnings. And we really have given ourselves a free, you know, almost kind of spin at any moment that we needed to try something different. In fact, last year, our phrase was, we're free to fail, that we're going to try a million different things, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in our ministry, whether it's in adventures that we want to do as a couple, as a family, individually. And there's no worries. If it doesn't work, who cares? We tried it. Linda just signed up for a a 5K, a snowshoe 5K. (laughs) So she's going to go running in the middle of in the area that could have two feet of snow and she is insane. Why is she going to do that? Because who cares if she doesn't run the whole way? She wants that experience. And I think that's kind of been the philosophy for us when it comes to our spiritual endeavors, but also it's the philosophy us as a couple and for our family. Like we want to have these experiences that we can look back on and reflect upon with great joy. 
But I also I think, it. if I can add, I, I, that I, a person who asked that question, tell me what prayers do you pray? How do you pray? They're looking at the relationship with God in the wrong direct, from a wrong angle. Mm-hmm. That it's not about what you do. It's who you are and who you spend time with. And that's been my emphasis in my writing as of late. And actually tomorrow I start. I go to Tampa to start my dissertation. I have my uh, spiritual, spiritual direction. direction certification. And it's this idea, it's very Ignatian, the idea of just being with God, teaching people how to just be with God, how to contemplate, how to look at scripture and allow it to speak to you. And not so much, oh, I need to read these scriptures. I need to pray these prayers. Even though we have a beautiful heritage of beautiful prayers as a Catholics, but it's so much more than that. And I, people, when they ask those questions, they're just looking at it from a wrong direction. So I want to refocus them and say, but have you ever just sat in silence? Have you ever prayed without saying a word? You know, and that, and what has God spoken to you about? And so again, it's just the wrong wrong viewpoint, I think, on our on spirituality. I agree, Linda. I think I think it's possible that it comes from this place of control. Right. Right. Where we are just like, I need a I need to control my calendar and my schedule and my time. And I need to know, just tell me the formula that will work to get me into a relationship with Jesus so that I can go to heaven. Right. Oh, I am totally that person. I am a very type A. I love lists. I love to do, you know, organization. I love that. So that's totally me. But I think through my years of being a parent and and married to Chris Padgett, that I've (laughs) had to loosen (laughs) so much of that personality. I still love that, but I have to loosen so much of that in order to learn to exist in a chaotic state. But uh, I, I... and I think it not only is that an, something that people seek in their spiritual life, they seek that in their marriage. How do I, one, two, three, if I do these things, I'll have a great marriage. How do I do that as a parent? If I do one, two, three, I do these things, I'll have a great pair, I'll, be, I'll have great kids. And it really is so much more than that. And there is no right or wrong. There is no, there's right and wrong, but there's no exact magic pill to make things happen. I, years ago, I joined a, a mom's group on Facebook and and there was a question on there that said, I don't know, like I kid, this mom was distraught about something her little toddler was doing. And I just kind of peeped in and said, you know, they outgrow it. It's really no big deal. After all my years of experience of being a parent, I mean, my youngest was probably 20 at that. I mean, my oldest was 20 at that point. So I'm like, you know, it's really not a big deal. I used to worry about that with her and she's fine. She's outgrown it. Nothing. They didn't want to hear that. What they wanted to hear was from the other young moms that said, oh, well, I tried this, this, and this, and this worked for me, or I tried this, this, and this, and this worked for me. That's what they wanted. They wanted the, this is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to fix it, and it's going to be okay. And I realized at that point, I have no place in this mom's group. (laughs) They don't want to (laughs) hear. They don't want to hear from an actual experienced mom who will say, this is outgrow. They will outgrow this. This is okay in the long run. No big deal. They still are looking for that right answer. If I do this, this, and this, then everything's going to be okay. My child will always be healthy. My child will always walk with God. My child will always sleep well or whatever it is that uh, in the end, there is no one, two or three and you have all the answers and nobody wants to hear that. And so it's the same with our faith. It's not this, do this, this and this, and then you'll have a great relationship with God. It's to sit back and be who you are and be with him. Right. Amen. And those, what you just mentioned, those types of statements, I always, I never, I, what is, you know, the exact formula or science to it, all of those are different types of cognitive distortions mm-hmm. that the devil loves to work and phrase things in this way, right? Right. Like, you'll never get out of this space. Your kid will <laughs> never walk with the Lord after this experience. You always screw up. Right. 
whatever it might be, that's, those are really unhealthy, very unhealthy. In fact, there's a whole science and therapy that's surrounded around untying those types of cognitive distortions that people have surrounding their life. And so when we allow them to find root and family and prayer life, there's just heartache and disappointment and anxiety that can surround it. And I think, like you said, just being able to be free and to be seen and and to just be in the presence of Christ. If you spent, if you were able to spend five minutes a day of just being who you are with Christ and letting yourself be just that without any words, I think that is more transformational than any type of how-to book that you could ever read. I've experienced that in my own life, for sure. And so I do definitely think. You know, it's an interesting thing. Lynn and I have been privileged to to be doing ministry for about 25 years. And most of our friends, at least close friends, can understand a little bit of that life because in many ways they're trying to explore that as well. You know, there's a, a sense of collaborative, you know, camaraderie in this mission. But what's interesting to me is that even people who are sharing the faith, evangelistic, lay evangelists rather, there's still the mentality that says, if I do A and B, then C necessarily happens. If I do A and B, then in my marriage, C is going to happen. If I do this and this, then my kids will necessarily perform like that. And what we've realized as we've conversed with these friends is that some of the most notable and known whatever Catholic personalities out there carry these intense agonies, regrets, frustrations. You know, I mean, like we had one uh, individual just recently share that their son was contemplating suicide. I think he was 12. Another whose spouse got arrested for drunk driving. Another whose husband wondered what would happen if he left his wife. You can't, I mean, I'm, people would not, could not even imagine how dysfunctional <laughs> most of us ultimately are. And so what do we do is that we we hyperinflate. If I do this and this, then I get to fix that and it's going to be perfect. But it's never going to be like that. Like we, you cannot A, B, C the human condition. It's ultimately always going to come down to love. Like I entirely choose to love you in your mess. And it's that gospel, the gospel of Jesus loving us and then us loving our spouse and then us loving our kids who don't perform in a particular way. It always comes back to this intentional choice to love people in their mess. And so lest people think that the secret to spirituality is a certain, you know, prayer type or a, you know, being on a stage speaking before thousands of people or having a book published, <laughs> it it ultimately comes down to love whether you're a known entity or that hidden mom or dad in the middle of nowhere. I love it. It all can, and I I think I think it's John Paul II who said it all comes down to this love father child hmm. i think he i think he said that in just those three those three words that it all comes down yeah. to just the love of the father for his child hmm. and us and whatever capacity that we've allowed in our time here on earth to allow that love to move us to transform us to just receive it and then hmm. god willing allow that to affect us to to be a light of that love to others so that people could can see us, can see his love. Because so much of what you just said 
Chris and Linda is it's so true. I mean, it's the brokenness of humanity is real. It's in every person, in every country, in every culture. And so what does change? What if if there's no ABC to 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 the human condition, then really the only thing that there really could be, like you said, Chris, is is love, right? Is the love of the Father and allowing of what he's done in giving us his son Jesus and allowing that to really penetrate our such hardened hearts, our heart, our prideful hearts that think that there's got to be, it's got to be more challenging than that. It's got to be more, the way to, to get to some spiritual hiatus is some, something's got to have more steps in it. And the only step is Christ. And then many of us just don't choose to take that step though. Right. I think that this, I know, I don't think, I know that this, what where we're at right now in this conversation is the heart of the ministry that we began last year, Catholic Family Marriage, Catholic Fam, the Fam, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it will have lots of different names. That we, family and marriage is the heart of, it should be the heart of our society. Unfortunately, in this country, we're losing that and we want to fight for that to bring back family at the heart of our society. But is it the heart of almost all of our existence in some form or fashion? We are in a family and relationships and it's messy. There's families and marriages out there are hurting and wounded and messy and and forever we have tried to find that solution. How-to books are sold like crazy. The spiritual, even in the church, it's it is it's we're giving steps and measurements of how we're going to fix things, but it's really not fixing things. People are just hurting, they're suffering, they're struggling. And Catholic fam, what do we want to do? We don't want to just give them another program of here, this is going to fix it, or let's give you another how-to book on how to help that marriage or how to help that family. We want to walk with people as messy as they are, as imperfect as their marriage and their families are. We don't care. We want to walk with that person and whether that person ever changes, whether they, and ultimately we want people who aren't even Christians. We want to reach everybody who is struggling in this life to say, we want to walk with you. And that the answer is not found in more programs and more how-to books. The answer is found in a personal relationship with Jesus and to bring people, to expose people to the reality of this is, you have a need and that need is Christ and that he's here to meet that need. And we want to walk that journey with you. Whether you ever change, we don't care. We want to walk that journey with you and show you the answer to the struggle that you have. And that's Christ and Christ alone. Ah, Linda, there should just be like flames all around you right now. (laughs) Fantastic. Couldn't have said it better. Let's, Let's talk about that because this is, this is one of the reasons where I saw what you guys were doing with Catholic Family and Marriage. And I was like, oh, this is they are going to get hit so hard with spiritual attacks. Oh, oh my gosh. Last because year, oh yeah. This is where this this is where the battleground is. It's in the family, it's in the marriage. Think about if you're somebody who has difficulty um maybe like wounds from your past, how much of that was connected to the family you grew up in, oh, the, yeah. the marriage of your parents or the divorce or the dysfunction. I mean, it so much goes back to that. And so what you guys are doing is so important. That's, that is like such a, that's lacking. That's lacking the word that I need right now. Important is not even good enough, hmm. but let's talk about that. Let's, I'm going to stop talking so you can talk about that. Catholic family and marriage. Tell me kind of 
what this is and the the goal of what you're doing within it. I think part of this just came down to I thought I've thought most of my life about my my parents and the struggle that they had in their relationship. And I remember when Linda and I met in high school and we were getting ready to get married. I wanted to ensure, if you will, that I was not going to give to my children the legacy that I had been given by my father. I wanted to offer them something different. And I was so convicted of that that really Linda and I had a policy that we would never use the word divorce, no matter how difficult things got. What we realized along the way was that our marriage, we could thrive. It could be far greater, better than we'd ever imagined. So, so like, what does that look like? And I think the conviction came about a year or so ago to really move forward with years and years of just kind of a subtle leading towards this. But we started to realize that I wanted to have something to pass on that wasn't just entirely connected to who I was as a name or a personality. Like what was going to be that spiritual legacy that I could give beyond just my my wife and my children? And what we realized is that the majority of what I'd been doing for the last 20 something years really came down to dynamics within the family context, whether it was marriage or the spiritual growth of an individual within a family, children. And ultimately what I realized is that as an evangelist, I just love people people. And I just want to be with people as they journey, whether they do what I'm telling them to do or not, like they're worthy in and of themselves to be loved and appreciated. So we began this journey about a year ago. And Linda really was the one who kind of helped get everything into that place that that it began to be type A personality clear. Okay. Well, also, I, I also think, though, that we we're messy people. We are far from perfect. Our family is far from perfect. We're messy. And I think the more we accept our own messiness, the more we realize everyone's messy. Everyone's hurting. And I think that's why we have such a heart for those who are struggling, who who are messy. We we just we love those who are just a little off. Because they they know they know that they they need Jesus, you know. Maybe, maybe actually maybe they don't even know they need Jesus, but they know they're just comfortable with who they are, or they just I don't know. They're not trying to prove something. We're tired of people trying to convince us of how good they are, or how they're trying to prove something. We just want people to be real, be who they are, and and we can grow from there. Let's accepting who we are and move forward. And so I think that's why with this heart of this ministry is just for the regular average show. Has a we at the core of Catholic family marriage is evangelism. We want to evangelize. Our church is hurting big time. Hurting, yes, because of the all the junk that's going on and all the hierarchy issues and all of that that's hurting. But our church is hurting because it's dying from within. It's losing numbers so fast. I remember sitting in, I was getting my hair done. You know, I hate getting my hair done, but I have to get my hair done. And I'm listening to my hairdresser who I go to every couple months. And she's, ta- you know, I knew she had a history of being Catholic and she's, and she's just talking about how her family goes to this Protestant church and how she likes it and she doesn't want to get married in the Catholic church. I mean, just on and on and on. And my heart's aching because as converts to Catholicism, I love the Eucharist. I love the sacraments. I love the teachings of the church. And I don't understand. It hurts me to think that somebody else doesn't love it. But I realized the reason she doesn't love it is because not that she wasn't catechized and maybe she wasn't catechized well. 
but whatever. The problem, the reason she doesn't love it is because she has no relationship with God. She doesn't have an experience with God. And so for us, we can't, we took on as a ministry this illustration of a stool. And we have a three-legged stool. And the top of that stool is the teaching of the church, the catechesis of the church. And for years and years, the church has been pounding down on the top of that stool beaten down on giving teaching 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 they keep that they keep our catholic experience intellectual in the head basically and so they're pounding down on the top of the stool but the the reason this church is crumbling is because they have failed to build the foundation of that stool those three legs have failed to been built and that's why people are walking away it's not be that stool is not supported well and the stool is supported by three things it's supported by an experience with god a relationship with god and some very basic knowledge of god and those three things are lacking within our church for the most part very stereotypical but you know i mean i'm, I'm kind of american church. You know, I, you know, Europe, stereotyping yeah. it in some ways, but like generalizing, I guess is the word that, uh, this is these, these three, stu- these three legs are missing in the church. And so for us as a ministry, we want to say, we want to be the leg builders. We want to build the foundation. We want to give people an experience with God. We want to teach them a relationship model before them, a relationship with God. And we want to give some basic knowledge and eventually whether they choose to or not, hopefully prayerfully they will choose to go into the church and learn and and at that point when the heavy beautiful beautiful teachings of the church are placed on the top of that stool it stands it stands firm because the foundation has been built so catholic fan wants to be that foundation builders of those three legs how that's going to look is what that's going to be through the last year we've toyed with the three few things and we're working on it but for this next year, we, the vision and the dreams that we have are moving forward and how this is going to look in real life over the next couple of years. It's I can't, gonna be exciting. it's going to be exciting. We can't say exactly what it's going to look like. We have an idea of what we're shooting for and we're going to let the Lord grow this and build this as he does. But our heart is evangelism. Our heart is hurting people and helping and hurting people, helping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> helping hurting people, not hurting, hurting people. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so that is the heart of who we are, I guess. I love it. I love it. So people can get information about this. If you're already wondering like, okay, so where can I go to get more information or to see what's going on over here? You can go to catholicfam.org. Is that correct? Yep. And on there, you'll find tons of videos. There's a, uh, we had a monthly magazine, digital magazine. I think it's going to move to quarterly. If people out there want to write, tell their story, we take submissions on that all the time. You don't have to be some famous person to be a part of that. In fact, you know, we're really trying to acknowledge and let people know, look, this is a full body experience. What I mean by that is that we're interested in insights on financial management, insights on health, insights on psychological maturity. Like we're we're going to try to offer to the human person whatever we can to help encourage them, empower them and equip them to be better as couples and as families. I love it. I love it. I love and I what I I mean, I love everything you guys do, for sure. Side note, the pageant for president is probably one of my favorite all-time videos that I do watch <laughs> every November to make me feel better awesome. about That's the insanity funny. in politics. I would encourage you, <laughs> if you find politics cringeworthy, regardless yeah. of where you find yourself, I don't really care. Watch pageant for president, and it will just make you laugh a little bit and make you That's feel better funny. about yourself. I do. I watch it every, every November. I'm like, one of these days, I'm going to get stickers, and I'm going to put it on the back of my car. <laughs> You know what's funny is that I my joke of doing that pageant for president, it unfortunately it's 
it's not as extreme and exaggerated as as I thought it, it could it could be. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, since since you made that as yep. 2012, sadly, some of those exaggerations are a reality now. Oh my gosh! In in politics, which yeah. I find very prophetic and funny at the same time. But I've always wanted to. You know, if I had all the time in the world and didn't have a mission from God to do, you know, evangelization, I would create flyers and that say, you know, pageant for president. (laughs) And during all of the poll, I would go to all these polling places and I would just hand out constant stuff. Just flyers, free food with your name all over it, stickers for people's cars, and they'd go in wanting to vote for you, and then you're nowhere. And it's just like they'd have to like, write me in. I know. I, <laughs> I I I feel like that's the experience of most voters today, yeah. and the experience of like putting all your effort towards something and then nothing happens. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny though is that in my mind I can think of a funny. A variety of video clips that I could do that could exaggerate how funny that is. So who knows? I might be giving you a call when we do the next one just to see if we can have my campaign, you know, personnel. If you need a campaign, ever. like an extra campaign manager outside of Linda for this, you just <laughs> let me know because I feel like I may have a talent That's in so putting together videos that are meaningless. I Yeah. Amen. See, it's funny you say that because the truth is, is that I'm a big fan of doing something for the sake of its joy alone or or it's, you know, musical expression alone or it's theatrical performance. Like there's something beautiful about the creative experience. And we have to be careful that we don't insist that life be so insanely serious that we lose the ability to to laugh. And um, a big part of our ministry is just finding kind of those joy moments. And video for us is cool. So whenever Linda does these chronicle videos of ours, she always has an outtake in the beginning that seems to be quite the hit. So we're going to be putting out a lot of pretty funny videos, I think, this year. I absolutely agree. I have a new initiative that I'm doing. And in it, I have, it was me, I of course, I was the creator, so I guess I could call the shots. But I, I told my video team, I'm like, keep the cameras rolling. Bloopers must be in every video. Because <laughs> right. yeah. it's the only thing I actually really care to watch in anything. I want to find, <laughs> I go on YouTube I to know. watch bloopers of shows that I won't even watch this season on, but I will watch the bloopers <laughs> of That's that funny. show because I want to see people screw up. I want to see them try really hard to do something and then mess up because like you said, it's just, it's joyful to see like their expression and their, it's funny how they can take it. And then you just feel like a little bit more human, sometimes better than them, which is not generally what you want to do, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Well, and with that, with the joy that you guys totally put forth on this catholicfam.org, what I love is when you have meet the team and then the names that you've given each other. Oh, yes. Yeah. Are fantastic. Of course, we have Linda Paget, Dream Builder. That seems accurate. Lisa Perrin, Grammar Goddess, Bob Perrin, Doctor of Woo. Yes. And then we have so Chris Paget, and the name you've given yourself as best looking man ever. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to be honest and. Uh, I could have put pear-shaped body, but that doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't. It, it gives you a different visual. <laughs> Which I think is not what you were going for. No, I usually try to encourage not 
people not to to visualize too much about me. I think, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, we want we want to. Many years ago, I asked the question, "Where is everybody at when it comes to support and encouragement?" And I realized, well, they're they're going to the bars or to the games or to the this and that. And then I realized, well, where's everybody at now? And they're all on social media. They're all online. And so our ministry, we do so much online and humor is a big part of what I do. So whether it's videos or even a title I give myself or podcasts, anything, that comedy element's going to be a big deal. I just think sometimes we need a we need a laugh and we need to remember that it's okay to be human and to be human is to be is to be messy. I love it. I think it's fantastic. This is really great. There's a lot of good resources in here. Um, Catholic Family and Marriage. You also have a book that you put out, Marriage and Ministry, that I deeply appreciate. Ricky and I do. We have been through the majority of it, picking up things and reading chapters here and chapters there and underlining a million stuff and exclamation marks all over it. <laughs> it is, it's, I mean, guys, it's really good. You did a good okay. job. Thanks. It was a great, it was a fun book to write because there were so many stories I felt like I could tell that I've never told before in a public way because they never had a context outside of ministry. So to be able to tell our ministry and marriage story was fun. It was a fun book to write. And just like everything else we do, we try to be authentic and, you know, not put on airs that we know we're doing that we're, we're pretty messed up and we just figure it out along the way also. Well, you know, Lynn, I think what you said right there, authentic would definitely be, if I had to choose a word to describe both of you, that's exactly what I would say. Mm. I have, I mean, Chris and I were talking about this right before we, we, we started. We haven't worked a lot together face-to-face. Mm-hmm. We're in a lot of the same venues. Sometimes we'll even be at the same conference, but, you know, because talks are in different days, we're flying in and out and getting back to our families. We're just not there and have a lot, had a lot of time, had not, have not had a lot of face to face time to hang out. But the few times that I have met you and both you and Linda together, I believe we met at either NCYC or a seat conference. I can't remember which one it was a couple of years ago, but yeah. it's just, what you see is what you get. What you think you see on the videos, what what you see on the stage of Chris and Linda in person, I was like, that's exactly who it is. It's just so refreshing to see the same person come off the stage and talk to you the same way that they were talking on the stage. And, you know, rightly that's so. Nice. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's really, really nice. It's just a really Thank nice you. space. And mm-hmm. so you guys do that so well and you are authentic. And Linda, what you have put together and your additions from another woman, I will just tell you, are so great. So the book itself, like Chris has like times where he speaks. Linda has times where she speaks. And it's really, really good. If you're in any form of ministry at all, it doesn't mean to be on the stage. If you have a small boutique, if you're doing something, whatever it is for your for your home parish for your diocese, I would really encourage you to get this book, Marriage and Ministry. There are some great pointers that you've, that you have laid out in very concrete ways that have definitely, you all have dealt with and what you've avoided to, to not make some of the mistakes that others maybe have or that you've seen around you. One line that I've underlined that is really important today for so many people, myself included, of course, is Linda, you wrote this. It was in, I think, chapter five, and and you're talking about intimacy and secrets. And you said, secret sin leads to more secret sin. Yeah. You don't have to be married to know that that one. Mm -hmm. That's right. 
No, that's, that's I, I, huge. I love that. Yeah, it yeah. is huge. Yes. Linda, Linda has been singing that forever. And we've had a policy in our marriage to to not have secrets with one another. I don't come out of the confession and say, here's exactly what I told Father, but I can guarantee you this. She already knows what I'm going in to confess. I mean, it's there's no secret. And I think, again, it goes back to something I said early, which was when you see the mess in that person and you choose to love them, that grace is powerful to help that marriage not just survive, but thrive. When you are loved entirely in the mess that is you, it is transformative. And, you know, again, I think for those people who do ministry, a lot of that stuff becomes heightened because you're there's this expectation that you have to be perfect. And... <laughs> You, you're not going to be. You're not You're not perfect. In fact, I remember once sitting at a Steubenville conference with Adam Bitter, and basically we said, I think God calls the most needy people, the neediest of people to serve him because we're so inclined to fail that we will constantly have to lean on him and ask for help. I love that. Yes. I love what that just says about me, but yes, I love that. That's <laughs> horribly Amen. revealing, yes. but Yes. It is, and we do need that. We do. We, all of us need to be leaning into the Lord. But yes, He does call those particular, <laughs> particular types into ministry often to do that. I okay, Linda and Chris. I love what you guys are doing. Obviously, you're a perfect fit clearly for the podcast. You're doing something beautiful for God and all that great stuff. But it's not just this pie in the sky. We have a great idea. We're going to put it out there. But you guys like to get into the mess and get your hands dirty and really walk and journey with people and disciple them along the way. And that is one of the things that is very distinct with people who are really doing something beautiful for God versus those with great ideas and can give you the quick how-to book. And I value so much when I see people in this world who are doing the hard work, who are doing the grind and doing it for all the right reasons to really truly help build up the kingdom of God. I can't thank you enough for what you're doing and how this is going to impact families and marriages now and in years to come. Well, it's been an honor and I'm thankful for your kind words. It's nice to know that we're not alone journeying and sharing the word and living the faith. I mean, a lot of little lights can make a lot of big light. So it's just, I think that word of encouragement for people to step out and live that gospel with great joy, it really will make a difference. And so it's an honor to have been a part of being a blessing to others. Amen. Okay. So one last thing, could you give a challenge to our listeners? Well, I'm going to make it real simple. Fall in love with Jesus. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more that people around you are going to be changed. You know, Linda and I have been watching this this series on a cult. We've been watching this. It's called Wild Wild Country. I wouldn't recommend that unless you're a mature adult. But it's insane to me how easily duped people can be and what people will fall for. What it tells me is that the human person is longing for something of substance and some purpose. And we have it. We have the fullness of God in the Eucharist. We've been given the fullness of faith. And yet we walk around as if there's nothing, you know, of joy in our life. And ultimately, my challenge is simply fall in love with Jesus. He loves you in the entirety that is you in the fullness of your mess. And he is not waiting for you to be perfect in order to shine his love through you. If you allow God to love you entirely 
in your mess, you will truly change the world. We call those people saints. I don't think a saint is someone who does a whole bunch of amazing, great things. I think a saint is someone who allows God to love them so entirely in their mess that that miracles happen. And I want to be that person of miracles. And so does Linda. We want to see that for you. If we can help and be an encouragement, that's what we want to do. Amen. Amen. Okay. And then I will have all the links in the show notes of where you can connect with Linda and Chris and of course, Catholic Family and Marriage, which is catholicfam.org. So all of those links will be in my show notes for you to connect with them and reach out to them as well. Linda and Chris, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your light and your love for families and marriages. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're amazing. Thank you for allowing us to be here. It's an honor. Absolutely. Okay, Linda, anything else? I'm good. It's been a good. <laughs> I could probably talk forever, but I think we'll... I will I'll do one plug for Linda is that she's di- done this for Advent and for Lent. She did this video series, the Christian Virtue series that's on her YouTube page or Linda360.com. Linda is doing a lot of work now that she's not raising so many babies. So I'm still uh, raising them. I, yeah, I think that in some ways her challenge, you could find a lot of her, I don't know, key thoughts and ideas by watching those videos. So anyway, whatever we can do to bless, we'll do that. And uh, Linda and I are going to go out for a nice little little lunch, I think. Linda, is that true? I, well, it better be true. Right. Like, you better be taking me out on a date. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Fantastic. All right, Padgett. So happy to have you here with us. And thank you, my lovely listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Thank you for being with us, for listening to another fantastic episode. Remember, if you love the episode, if you love this podcast, go ahead and give us some love by going to iTunes. Give us those five stars and a, and a fantastic review. You can send me your podcast suggestions of maybe who you would like me to interview at podcast at leodero.com. And Remember, whatever you do today, do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. I'll talk to you later. Bye.